Hey, I'm Jason Gray. Hey, this is Sarah Gross. Hey, I'm Andrew Osinga. Hi, this is Michael Carr. Hey, this is Andrew Peterson, and you're listening to Voices in My Head. And this is me, so let's have some exciting music. Who is me, you ask? Well, me is Rick Lee James, and this is my podcast, Voices in My Head. We've got a great show for you this week, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. I am Rick Lee James, your host, and I'm very glad to welcome you to episode number 91 featuring Paul Darshalek. Now, I know his name looks like it's spelled Darilek, but uh, it's actually a different pronunciation than that, and I think it's one of the coolest names ever, so I'm really excited to be able to share the conversation I just had uh, with Paul. Uh, we're going to be talking about Living Water International, which uh, we've had Paul to talk about this on the show before, but God is really doing great things through them. And if you're asking yourself right now, uh, you know, I have a few Christmas presents left to buy for people, and uh, I don't know what to get them. Listen to this podcast in its entirety, because this is a way uh, you're going to find out how to give like Jesus. And to give to Jesus, really, is what we're going to be discussing today. After all, it is his birthday, it's not ours. So, um, we're going to get into that in just a few minutes. But before we do, let me apologize, because it's been a while since I had Question of the Week. Um, as you know, if you've been listening to the podcast I am a father now. Our little boy is almost a year old, and it has just taken tons of my time. So I haven't always been able to plan ahead to do things like Question of the Week all the time, and this weekly podcast is sometimes turned into a bi-weekly podcast, so it's like every other week. And so anyway, I do have a Question of the Week this week, though, for you, and I actually asked Paul, and I'm excited to give you my answer because I have uh, a bit of one to be able to share. But without further hesitation, let's hear the music for Question of the Week. Question of the Week. Well, for those of you that have been waiting with breathless anticipation for that uh, Question of the Week music, there you have it. Sorry it's been so long. Uh, Question of the Week is this one. What is your favorite Christmas story? Now, I made the stipulation this could be um, any iteration of that story, any incarnation, rather. Um, So if it's like a story from a book, like, say, The Christmas Carol that was uh, made into a movie or cartoons, different ones, you can tell us which particular adaptation you like of that. And uh, I only did it with a stipulation you only had 20 minutes to answer. So we just had a couple of of answers come in this morning. But that's great because I wanted time to be able to talk about my really quickly. Um, And then Paul is going to be able to share not only his favorite Christmas story in the interview, but some real-life Christmas stories that are going on around the world. So let's go to what listeners had to say. The very first answer that we had to this question was from Kyle Northrup, and he says, The Christmas Story, starring Ralphie and family. If you're speaking scripturally, the one where the drummer boy is played by John Bonham, I guess, he said. So uh, so here's a little trivia for you that I found out like a year or two ago uh, reading the back of, they actually put out a book of the Christmas story. You know, the, you guys know that movie, right? You'll shoot your eye out. You know, it's about the Red Ryder BB gun and everything. So, And I found that either people just really love that movie and they find it to be a, a piece of nostalgia or they just absolutely hate it. Um, I tend to be in the camp of I really like it a lot. I don't know if love it is 
is there, but there's something about watching it, and it reminds me of Indiana winter times, and I, I don't know, there's just something nostalgic about it for me. But anyway, how surprised was I when I walked into a Barnes & Noble bookseller one day, and I found this very small hardcover book of The Christmas Story, and I thought, hey, I, maybe I'll read that, you know, I, maybe it's a, a lot different or something. Well, I never actually got around to buying it, but I opened up the cover, and I looked, and uh, I was curious as to where this story came from, because it was originally called, uh, let's see, if memory serves, in God we trust, all others pay cash, I believe, uh, was a, I think it was a series of short stories that appeared in a national publication. Now, where I was shocked was to find out that this publication was none other than Playboy magazine. Yes, friends and neighbors, where the Christmas story, that beloved tale that we come to every year, was originally published as a series of stories in Playboy magazine. And I was kind of like taken aback by that, and I thought, oh, well, all right. So it ended up not buying the book. I'd still like to read the story. Apparently it must have been uh, good for them to inspire this movie, but it's kind of a quirky little weird movie too when you think about it. But anyway, there's the, uh, the fast fact about that one, and I told Kyle I would share the story of where that came from. Another answer we have to question of the week this week is uh, from Matthew Cole, and uh, he said his favorite Christmas movie is Scrooged with a D at the end, the Bill Murray film. Uh, his favorite song is Joy to the World, and his favorite story is Gift of the Magi. Um, and he says it's a Twitter hashtag, so the hashtag is Does That Not Fit Together Nicely? So uh, thank you, Matthew. That actually does fit together very nicely. Now, I want to tell you about my favorite one. Uh, my favorite Christmas story, uh, at least at this time, I think I have a different one every year, but other than, you know, just the biblical story, the the real one that has changed the world, um, there's a story, a little known story, uh, I don't think any of you have probably heard of it before, by Charles Dickens called A Christmas Carol. Uh, this became my favorite um, throughout the years because there's lots of movie adaptations I've seen. Um, but it was, I think, last year for the first time, maybe the year before that, where I really actually sat down and read the book cover to cover uh, of A Christmas Story. I recommend this to anyone. It is so much better than any film uh, has ever been able to portray it. The spiritual themes that are in it, the wonderful uh, themes about providing for the needs of others, for really loving like Jesus. Uh, because Dickens had been so transformed by the power of Christ in his own life. And um, Dickens was a writer that, you know, he just felt like everything was a miracle that came to him because he'd been brought out of poverty and, uh, you know, brought out from a very terrible situation to becoming a very famous, uh, prolific author. And, um, and he just saw everything as a blessing from the Lord, and he always returned thanks to God for what God had given him and used to the best of his ability what he had to help those that didn't. And so... Uh, so that story took on real meaning, but I was delighted um, after reading that story to be able to see the, the the Disney version that came out. I know a lot of people didn't like it because it seemed a little bit too dark, uh, but the one that Jim Carrey voiced. Um, if you watch that film, I think I've seen almost every uh, incarnation of The Christmas Carol in, uh, in movie form, TV show, whatever. That one is probably the most faithful to the book. And uh, if you read the book, you'll be surprised because you could almost read the book and follow along with that film. Every scene that's in there, and I know it's kind of a dark story in places, um, but other than some of the more cartoony aspects uh, of some of the action sequences and stuff, uh, it follows very, very closely to the original language of the book, the original um, scenes that were set up. So 
do yourself a favor. Read A Christmas Carol this year. Um, that's probably my favorite Christmas story that I want to share. And, uh, and other than that, read my new book, Out of the Depths, A Songwriter's Journey Through the Psalms. Uh, but we'll talk more about that another time. But that's it for this week on Question of the Week. Question of the Week. Well, let me make mention real quick uh, of my book, uh, Out of the Depths, A Songwriter's Journey Through the Psalms. It's supposed to be delivered today. I, I got a message from UPS that four boxes are on their way. And uh, so last night I was actually uh, stuffing a whole bunch of packages with uh, everything that goes to reward uh, people who gave towards the book and who are receiving rewards. So those of you that are listening that actually gave on Kickstarter and, and gave at a certain level to where you could get the book, uh, hopefully your book will be in the mail um, before the end of the weekend. So I'm very excited about that. I'm excited to be able to see the hardcover and hold it in my hands for the first time. Um, and I, yeah, I just feel so blessed. I, I couldn't have done it without the generosity of people like you and that we went so far over and above that so many of you wanted a hardcover of it, uh, really means a lot to me. And, um, I just appreciate it so much. So if you can't wait for the hardcover and you just want one for your Kindle, or your ebook, you can get an advanced copy right now. I know that Barnes and Noble and uh, and Amazon Kindle, uh, both are carrying it. I think it's seven ninety nine on Amazon. I think it's six ninety nine on the Nook right now. So it's actually going to be a lot cheaper than the hardcover is going to be. Um, but you can grab a copy of that, read it on whatever device you have if you want to read it in advance. And uh, one other note before I get into the interview today with uh, Paul Darshalek. We actually uh, are having on January 17th a book release party. Um, Beacon of Hope Bookstore here in Springfield, Ohio, who has been so kind to me over the years, uh, contacted me and asked if they could do the, the kickoff for it. And I, I said, sure, I would love that. So they're going to be carrying the book in their stores. They're going to be uh, hosting sort of this uh, big bash. It's going to be a great party. And so uh, podcast listeners, I would love for you to make plans and come be my honored guest. The reason I schedule it on January 17th is that's a Friday night and it's the Friday night which precedes Martin Luther King uh, weekend which I think a lot of people are off work and off school on Mondays for that holiday and and if that's you and you have a ways to travel to get here I wanted to try to make a way where as many people from out of state could come and be a part of this launch so uh, if you are able to on the 17th of January um, you just bring yourself and uh, and I'll provide the cake or some sort of snack some sort of treat we'll have some music we'll have some uh, some laughs together we'll have some good time i'll get to officially unveil the book at its official first release at beacon of hope bookstore in springfield ohio you can find out more information about that if you go to uh, to my facebook page uh, just look up rickley james on facebook better yet you can go to the out of the depths a songwriter's journey through the psalms facebook page and like that i would love to get lots of likes i would like to get lots of love like like lots, love lots of likes, whatever, um, like it, just like me, why don't you people like me, anyway, um, I'm gonna move on now, because it's just getting silly, but, uh, thank you, uh, thank you for all your support, all your help, love you guys, we're gonna move on, uh, right now, talking about Living Water International with my very special guest, Paul Darshalek, who you're gonna find out also has a book coming out, hopefully in the very near future, God bless you guys, thanks for listening to Voices in My Head.
Nearly 21 years ago, Living Water International set out to help the church in North America be the hands and feet of Jesus by serving the poorest of the poor. More than a billion people in the world live on less than a dollar a day. 783 million people lack access to safe drinking water. So today I'd like you to join me and my guest, Paul Darshalek, to find out how you can make a difference this Advent season and beyond by giving like Jesus. And uh, so today it's my pleasure to welcome you, Paul Darshalek, once again to the Voices in My Head podcast. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Rick. It's great to be back. Well, you know, we're up to, uh, I believe today's episode is actually episode 91 of this podcast. So we've had quite a few guests over the last year and a half, almost two years that I've been doing this. And um, we have not had a whole lot of repeats. So uh, I'm really excited to have you back when I feel like somebody has really resonated with the program and resonated with kind of the heart of what we're trying to do. I like to bring them back. So um, so I guess I'll just say you get to be one of the few on the on the two time list here. So so well, welcome thank back. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm flattered. <laughs> we have a great ministry to represent. So thanks. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to talking about Living Water International and your work with it. But before we get too far into that today, it is the Advent season. And I know that uh, with this season happening, there's a lot of different uh, stories about Christmas. I mean, there's everything from books to music. Sometimes uh, sometimes songs will tell a story. Uh, sometimes a movie will portray something that happened in a book uh, and do it very well. Sometimes they make movies about songs like the, uh, the Christmas shoes thing or... Uh, you name it. There's comic books. I mean, there's, there's everything that has to do with Christmas. So your question of the week for this week is, what is your favorite Christmas story? And you can tell us uh, whatever iteration that takes, but do you have a favorite Christmas story, and what is that? I guess if we're talking about a Christmas story that is out there for public consumption, then uh, I, I guess I might answer, uh, well, out in theaters right now is, is the movie The Christmas Candle. Uh, it's based on a book that Max Licato, who lives his church right up the road from where I am here in San Antonio, wrote. And me and my kids saw it. I, I thought it was a delight and uplifting. It's one of those movies where everybody, in the, maybe it's our local excitement because it's a hometown hero or something like that. But <laughs> that was a beautiful film, and um, it was one of those where the uh, every everybody in a packed theater stayed to the very end. It, it ends with a, a choir in a church singing a song. And it was just such an uplifting movie. Everybody stayed till the last credit rolled and then applauded. So that was a lot of fun. Well, that's that sounds like a, a good Christmas tradition, maybe. I, I know that sometimes when I see a film, it becomes one that happens every year after that. So it sounds like that may be one of those for you. Maybe so. Awesome. Well, that's great. Well, we're getting all kinds of uh, answers right now, it looks like, on Twitter and Facebook and stuff, so I'm looking forward to hearing what other people have to say about their favorite. But speaking of stories, uh, let's get right into Living Water International. I know that you were on here, uh, I think it was just around a year ago. It may have been last year around this time. Um, But for those that are not familiar with Living Water International, tell us the story a little bit about where Living Water International has come from and, and what it's doing in the world today. Yeah, first, Living Water International is a ministry, and our mission is to provide safe drinking water and hygiene and sanitation education to some of the world's 783 million people um, in the world who lack it. And for us, it's really all about Jesus and his gospel. And so all of this 
happens by partnering with churches uh, to use the ministry of offering safe drinking water, which is just the most fundamental thing you could possibly need, in order to just uh, start conversations about Jesus and to experience the living water that he talks about together. And so it all really started, I mean, I can't overemphasize just how ordinary our beginnings are. It was a bunch of people from Houston, Texas, went on a mission trip to Kenya. And, you know, this was 23 years ago. So, you know, they were on the first mission trip they'd ever heard of. You know, it wasn't something that people did on their summer vacation every year back then. And they went with great ideas to build a church building, to... Um, offer medical assistance, and then found themselves just kind of offering medical assistance to people who were going to wash down their pills with with the mud that was making them sick in the first place. So mm-hmm. that really stuck in their hearts. You know, they they kind of set out as many of us do, just kind of um, in you know just not knowing what what it's all going to be like, but feeling like I'm going to go out and help people. I'm going to go make a difference, and then kind of came back going, gosh, if we really, really want to help people, then helping them gain access to safe drinking water is, is going to do more for this village in Kenya than a hundred of these mission trips. So it really kind of just stuck in the hearts and minds of some ordinary people who were moved not just to you know, tears or compassion, um, but action. And they just started saying, what can we do? I mean, just ordinary folks, engineers or construction folks who just said, well, how can we start rearranging our lives uh, to make a portion of our lives without offering a cup of water in Jesus' name? So that was sort of the birth of the ministry 23 years ago, and we've learned a ton since then. And, um, you know, we train and consult local nationals to do the work, and, and I guess the latest shift in our work is developing longer-term, multi-year relationships with the communities that we serve in order to work more closely with the church and through them um, on work on hygiene and sanitation solutions that can double the life-saving impact of safe drinking water. Now, all of that is easier said than done. Water really is the easy part, and it makes a huge difference. But there's a lot more that can be done to empower communities to keep that water flowing for life and and to take other measures that save lives. That's kind of what we're all about. Okay, that's great. Well, that gives a pretty good overview, I think, of what you do there. And I do find it fascinating that um, that water is is such a big deal because we just in in these the states we just don't even think about it. I mean, it's just nothing for us to just go to the tap, turn it on, there it is. And I can't think of too many places in the U.S. where any of us would feel unsafe from what came out of the tap. You know, so it's it's almost hard for us to actually kind of get in a mindset with like, wow, imagine. You know, not having any water access, uh, first of all, and then if you did, what you had was just filthy. And so uh, maybe, maybe talk to us a little bit about, I know you talked about, you know, like good hygiene education and things like that. When you're when you're building a well and, and all that must go into that, what, what, do you, what are some of the steps maybe that you have to do um, to make sure that the water does stay clean and pure? What, what kind of things maybe would you teach people about in order to, to keep that sustained? Yeah. When we're at our best, kind of it all begins with community demand. So you you would think sitting here with our clean water, you know. And by the way, it's, it's our access to clean water is over the top. I was thinking as you were talking that not only you know do we have clean water access, 
from the tap just about anywhere we go in this whole country, which is a huge country. Um, many of us aren't happy with that. You know, we, we yeah. look around for the bottled water because, you know, whatever uh, the taste of the pipes or chlorine, well, for many people, our, our worst tap water, you know, would be a huge blessing. But when you've grown up with drinking from the swamp and it's just a fact of life, that some kids die, and in many uneducated cultures, they don't know that it's the water. Um, we were just in Burkina Faso, which I hope to talk about a little bit more later, and you know, all the beliefs about childhood, death, and illness were related to witchcraft. That's what they thought was responsible for everything wow. before this kind of education starts. So it really starts with the kind of education that would lead a community to take action to solicit help on our behalf. So it's really um, educating people about their own needs. Maybe, you know, maybe our community uh, educators are working with people who aren't exactly sure who living water is. So it can start out under the guise of just education. Sure. Now, of course, some of this I'm talking about us when we're at our best. We're working in 23 countries and all of our operations look better and there are different levels of development and we're always seeking to improve. Um, so it starts with that kind of education. Then the community needs to look at how it can mobilize its own resources to do what it can. Now, some of that might be enlisting our help, the help of their municipal government, um, the help of the education system within the community, the church. So there are infrastructures for education that we could never establish you know, all over the world. So if you can teach hygiene, education in schools, um, since Jesus is at the center of what I, what we are all about, it's really interesting. We're often internationally giving the platform uh, to talk about him within schools also. Um, and so that's what it starts with, is the community deciding we need to take action. And then they enlist Living Water's help, and then we sit down together and uh, make a plan. How, okay, so we can drill a well. How are we going to sustain it? What are your ideas? And ideas come from people, they're more likely to take ownership of them. And so it takes a different um, form in different places. Uh, this year I was in Liberia, where because of that kind of work, before the well was ever drilled, other communities had, had learned enough. But they learned that sanitation was a big deal. So they started making latrines out of you know, palm fronds and local materials, trees that they cut down. And it became a status symbol, these kinds of things, like having a toilet. I mean, mm. Open defecation huge cause of disease in the world. Sanitation is actually a, a harder problem to solve than water access. Mm. But it's something that people can do with local resources. So they did. And they, in many communities in Liberia, caught the eye of their government because of the progress they had made on their own without us investing a dime. As a reward for that hard work, then we come alongside them and say, okay, we see you're an organized community that can make a plan. We can drill a well. That's going to require a big investment. What's your plan to keep it flowing? In Liberia, what they decided was, though it would be more convenient to have water access 24-7, they decided to lock down their well, limit access to certain periods in the day, say like 5 a.m. to 10 a.m., and then people buy a ticket. It's uh, They pay about, I think it was 12 
cents a month or seven cents a month per family or something like that. You can check it out online at water.cc slash Liberia. And um, the ticket system, the tickets change every month. So you've got to show up, you show your ticket, and you're allowed to haul all the water away from the well that you want. Hmm. So it's an innovative solution that was Liberian-born spreading around the country everywhere we work. Hmm. It's really cool, and they're very proud of themselves. And then, oh, you know, a year or two years goes by, and the seals on their pump cylinder wear out. Well, they are proud that they've got money in an account to buy their own. So it's a source of empowerment and pride. Sure. And so then ongoing monitoring becomes um, becomes you, you, the job. But that's easier to do when the community has already achieved uh, organizing its own structure. Sure. Well, it's interesting you you mentioned that, and 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 obviously you know we we have uh, you know people like the rock star Bono who's kind of kind of become like the poster child for you know going to places and helping out, and and you just said something that reminded me of something I heard him say one time uh, was he was talking about you know not not just giving to people just to throw money at them or whatever, but he said he actually wanted to make an investment because he he's excited about seeing what the people are actually beginning to do and the way that they're beginning to grow as a community and the way that their understanding is changing and things like that. So I'm I'm really glad it just it just reminded me of of hearing him say that whenever you're talking about that and uh it really is um you know it's almost like the the old adage again you know about teaching a person to fish rather than just giving it to them you know and helping them and empowering them in that way. So uh that that's really great to hear and I I think a lot of us feel like um, you know, here in the States, uh, even though we do have so much, we often feel very helpless to do anything about the needs of others. And that is one thing that I, I so love about what I'm seeing Living Water International be a part of because, um, you know, we don't we don't get to travel and be other parts of the world, but we can find places like this that can actually help us to, to find a way to be able to help and give. So, um, yeah, yeah and, and you said you had some stories that you wanted to share, and I do want to hear those, but let me ask real quick. Because um, if I knew this, I have just forgotten it. So you'll have to forgive me. And maybe we even talked about it last time. Um, but I first found out about Living Water uh, from the Advent Conspiracy. And uh, I was wondering how that is, is linked together. Is that something that Living Water um, kind of helped to form the, the Advent Conspiracy? Or was that something that they kind of jumped on board after seeing what you were doing? Or could you could you tell a little bit about that? Because they have a great... Uh, several great promo videos that actually kind of point towards Living Water International. I'm glad you brought that up, Rick. This is a time of year where it's we love Christmas um, because we get to be a part of this effort to put Jesus at the center of Christmas that's just really life-giving. So when you ask what my favorite Christmas story was, a kajillion personal stories associated sure. with with the Advent Conspiracy were the first things that came to mind. And, you know, that's kind of why I practiced with, well, if we're talking about something that's out there for public consumption. Sure. The Advent Conspiracy, um, Living Water really had nothing to do with its formation. It was a group of pastors who got together, as they did just about every year. And um, a few of them found themselves pre-Christmas just kind of confiding in one another, saying, oh, my goodness, isn't, isn't Christmas the time of year when, when any pastor would most prefer to be on vacation? <laughs> because they felt like kind of their mandate was to 
you know, suddenly in the season of Christ's birth, extract the Bible from the whole thing and bless everybody's consumerism. And it's madhouse. <laughs> wow. And, and so they just ask themselves, well, how could we change that culture in our own churches? And they came up with four pillars. You know, what do we really want out of this season? Um, we want to worship fully. We need to be at the center of everything. We really need to spend less. We look at some numbers in the holiday season in America. We spend, gosh, I think it was $40 billion a year. That's wow. kind of all consumer spending during the holiday season. Sure. Um, then perhaps spend less. I mean, it's... It, 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 I think in one year we looked it up and it was, I think, $900 of consumer debt that the average American racks up in the holiday season. Too. Wow. So how do we put a cap on that and develop a culture where we're not, we're not out there fighting people on Black Friday at Walmart? I mean, we're not begging Walmart to tell the story of Jesus in the first place, but we're, right. we're taking that on as our own. To spend less, worshipfully, spend less, give more. And the idea behind give more the third pillar of the Advent conspiracy is not give your money away. It's based on the notion that God gave us his son for Christmas, gave us a relationship. And so we kind of do the opposite in in what our tradition has become. Mm -hmm. We, we take our relationships and commodify them and turn them into an exchange gift. And so the thought was, how do you give of yourself? So give more is about relational giving. It's, it's instead of buying something expensive, it's it's buying a nice pound of coffee and saying, here here you go, mom, here's some coffee beans, but here's the rule. You can only drink them with me. And in the time it takes to drink this, I just want to hear the stories of your childhood and what made you into the woman you are. Things like that. So there's this whole culture around coming up with just beautiful ways to give relationally. Sure. And then the last, last one, um, worshipfully spend less, give more, is love all. And so that's the idea of just taking some of that money that you saved and um, giving it to people who are really close to Jesus' heart, among the, the thirsty, the hungry. And so people, families, churches, choose who their um, beneficiary is. There, there's always Water has always been a piece of it, just because of the, the notion that, that for a fraction of our consumer spending, during Advent, we could solve the world water crisis. Hmm. Now, what kind of a birthday gift for Jesus would that be? Yeah, <laughs> that would be incredible. I, I you know, and, and when you see like some of the statistics laid out uh, so simply, both both on Living Water site and on the Advent Conspiracy site, you, you just really think, wow, this is doable. You know, <laughs> this is something that can happen if we just really do this, if even just the church did this. So uh, yeah, yeah. Th- that's one reason I'm so, you know, passionate about, you know, trying to, to let people know about ministries like this and just thinking in new ways. I love how you said if uh, if there was a, a, a Twitter quote somebody wanted to put up on Twitter today, it would be, you know, pastors trying to extract uh, extract scripture to bless consumerism or something like that. that was, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. That was fantastic. That's a great way to put that. But I do feel like we, we sometimes are, are 
are almost forced, you know, to fall into that mode, and and it doesn't have to be that way. So, um, well, let's uh, let's talk real quick. I mean, you you just had said there was uh, some stories you would like to tell, and I I would not dare to try to pronounce the country again with or the 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 place you had just mentioned without you saying it because I can't remember what it was. Um, but you said there was a story you wanted to go back to here in a few minutes. Uh, if you can remember what that was, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, um, and you can check out more and see videos and images of what I'm about to talk about on our website at water.cc. Okay. Uh, in this time of fall, we always like to bring, you know, Jesus is at the center of our, our work, and we like to kind of focus on a way, you know, a story around that. So this year, uh, we went to Burkina Faso in West Africa, and I don't feel bad for knowing where that was. When we started our program there, I was literally on the phone with a missionary, you know, looking it up on Wikipedia to appear like I knew where in the world it was. It's a little landlocked country in West Africa, one of the poorest in the world. And um, our partnership there was with a church planting ministry, it's really one of the most vibrant church planting movements I've ever seen. Started uh, not too long ago with three families who just wanted to choose a place in the world where people uh, were unreached by the gospel, but also um, where they thought they could be receptive. And they chose the Dagara people group in Burkina Faso. Kind of just went and moved into the neighborhood. Um, who started, you know, spent a couple years just learning to speak Dagara and French, and then just telling stories. It's a completely um, non-literate culture. Um, most of the Dagara people, um, it's not just that the Bible is not in their language, not just that people don't know how to read, but many people don't even know that there is a written version of the language they speak. Wow. They're unfamiliar with writing, you know. And so, um, but really, really enthralled by the hopeful message of the gospel. They just love the hope-filled message. And it just kind of resonates with many of their stories. And so, while we were there, we were meeting others. It's just incredible because it's a non-literate culture. It, interestingly, church planting spreads like crazy because there's no church planting manual to give to anybody. All they, all they can do is say, can you come tell those stories in my village? And so we're seeing, um, you know, this, the whole thing started, I think it was in 2002, and we're seeing third-generation African churches. In other words, those wow. initial church planters went and planted a church, and then an African from that church planted another, and an African from that church planted another. By now, it's entirely African-led. And their tradition is to um, baptize people into the faith on Easter. And so it was amazing. Easter weekend, we were there, and, and more than 1,100 people wow. were baptized in a river that used that they used to haul water from for drinking. So this river that used to kill them because they were drinking with water now offers new and eternal life through baptism, and they're drinking out of a safe water well. Now, one of the most interesting things we saw there is everywhere we look around, there's children with scars all over their bellies. So we asked, "What? What is that about?" And people said, "Well, you know, when they get a when when you get a when a child gets a bellyache, you take them to the now I'm going to say witch doctor. We debated how to." Sometimes this, from, we were translating from Degard to French to English. Sometimes sure. we, we translated sorcerer, um, witch doctor, fetisher. Anyway, it's sort of a spiritualist who invokes spirits and cuts a child's belly with a razor blade and then rubs 
you know, quote unquote medicine into it. I mean, in medicine, it was ashes or bits of termite melons or bark that they believed had healing properties. Um, and this is all to treat stomach illness, you know, and it's all for nothing as we know, because the source of, of the stomach ache in the first place was bad water. And so it's just an amazing story of getting to partner with this church planting hero, uh, Yobam Cherry, and drill a well in his village. And people notice, wait, kids aren't getting sore stomachs anymore. I guess it wasn't, um, you know, a curse all along. We don't need to go to the witch doctor. And that, that alone, um, gave Yobam Cherry a platform, you know, and people started listening to him. And, um, and he got to announce the good news and, and, you know, build this beautiful, flourishing, spirit-filled movement that's going on there. So, like I said, you can check out more at water.cc, but just a really God-honoring thing that there's all sorts of benefits to this work that we're not even equipped to understand are going on. Yeah, well, that that's that's amazing. I love that story about the the river that they're being baptized in now. That was once killing them is now bringing them life, and that just speaks to me of that's that's what God does. You know, we think of the scripture that behold, I make all things new, and uh, that that just really comes to my mind when when you're telling stories like that. So I'm I'm so glad to. I'm so glad to hear that. So, well, I'm doing my best these days to try to keep the con- the uh, conversation of the podcast as close to about 30 minutes as I can, and we're we're getting close to that. But I want to make sure we get everything in that we need to talk about today. Um, and, but first, I want to ask. It seems like to me, uh, you have a book that you're working on right now. Uh, yeah, I've written the book, and it's an agent is out shopping it around to publishers, so it probably won't be uh, a public you know, in print until spring of 2015. So we're still waiting on on word to land a deal. But it's gonna be fun. I hope I can give you a shout and come on again when it's out. It is the story of Scripture from the Bible's first scene to its last, from God hovering over water in the beginning to the Lord and His bride on their throne at the end of time, saying, come, all who are thirsty, and drink. And, and what I do is I, I follow a stream of water that flows throughout Scripture, um, reflecting all the way the love of God who's trying to woo humankind to be his bride. And so it's a love story, but it is the story of Scripture from beginning to end. And as you may know, it ends with a wedding. That's the last scene in Re- Revelation, and it's a vision of our future together, and the way you get to a wedding is you find yourself as a character in a love story, and you get engaged. So hopefully um, <laughs> we'll hook a publisher, and, and uh, people can, if the title remains the same, they can look for a book in the future called The Surface of the Deep, The Story of God Watering You, The Bizarre Love Triangle That Will Save the World. Well, that that sounds amazing, and yes, you are more than welcome to come on when the book is ready, and uh, and we can talk about it more then. And uh, I, I that just sounds great. That excites me just hearing about it. And and let me say thank you uh, while I have you here on the line too. Thank you for helping to support my book on Kickstarter. I'm actually supposed to be uh, receiving the first delivery of the uh, the hardcover books today, uh, and that was through people who were just so generous. I you know I would I wouldn't have been able to to uh, to to write the book and put it out so quickly without the help of of people like you on Kickstarter. So thank you so much. I just wanted to to actually say thanks while I had you on the line. 
Absolutely. And I was just about to say congratulations on your book. I know it's a labor of love and I, I can't wait to get my hands on a copy. Well, fantastic. Well, what else uh, What else can we tell people and leave them with today? Because I, I want to make sure that, that the, the message is heard. But um, this really is a great way if if you're asking yourself and you're listening today and saying, boy, I've, I've still got Christmas shopping left to do. What can I give? Well, my thought is, well, why not give the gift of life and give it in somebody else's name? Can you can you tell us uh, how how maybe people can go about doing that? Like I know there's some uh, gift cards and things like that that are available to people that they can actually um, give to people for Christmas, where they can actually help uh, give water. Yeah, if you've been inspired by our work, there's two great ways to incorporate it into your Christmas. One is the one that you said, gift cards. So if you just go to our water.cc on our website, you'll find your way to our gift card center. The direct link is water.cc slash gift cards. And what they are is a gift card. You can buy them. You can buy physical gift cards or you can get um, print and fold ones or electronic versions. And um, the recipient then goes to a redemption center at water.cc slash redeem. And they get to, you can buy your gift cards in any denomination. They come in a nice little package. Um, you can give them to your friends, family, and loved ones. Some people give them out at the workplace as gifts. And then the, the recipient gets to go to the Redemption Center and look at all of our work around the world and uh, decide where who they want to bless. You know, Maybe it's um, the church in Burkina Faso. Maybe it's schools in Uganda. Maybe it's um, in you know, Peru. And so you can you can look around at the different living water operations and decide where to spend your your gift card blessing people with safe drinking water offered in Jesus' name. So that's a great way, and it introduces other people to the ministry. And it also just says, hey, this is one way that I put Jesus at the center of my Christmas. I give him the kind of gift he kind of he asked for in Matthew 25. Sure. Another thing that some people are doing is just giving away their whole Christmas. They've decided, you know what, Jesus is the birthday boy, and not me. And so they're um, setting up what we call a Give Well page. It's a personal fundraising page. And um, you can check that out at water.cc give well. And it's just a chance you can upload a photograph. You can type in what you're doing. Hey, I'm giving away my Christmas. Instead of you know, buying me that sweater that I'm going to wear uh, once a year to the party, um, how about if you just give me a gift, forego that gift, and give me a gift of water for the thirsty. You set your own goal. You decide what country you want to bless with it. And then you just spread the word, and we make it easy for you to spread the word by email and social media and all of that. So those are two fantastic ways. That's that's awesome, and uh, I really encourage people. So, listeners, if you're listening now and you're thinking, hey, what can I get that podcast host of Voices in My Head? Well, let me tell you, that's what you can get me this year. <laughs> get me a gift card for Living Water International, and we can we can do this together. But, uh, well, Paul, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate having you on the show, and uh, it was kind of uh, last minute and a little bit short notice, but uh, you uh, stepped right up and were able to come on today. So I, I, I can't thank you enough for the work you're doing. Doing and the way that Living Water International is raising awareness, and uh, not only raising awareness, but helping people to know how to give. And uh, so I really appreciate you guys for that. I appreciate you. So thanks for reaching out, and I hope that uh, we'll get to hang out again in the future. Sure thing. Well, Paul Darjalek, thank you for being one of the voices in my head today. You bet. You've been listening to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. And I'd love this to be a community experience, so if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback, 
You can give me suggestions for future shows. You can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless.